Welcome to the CJW Sports Show podcast. On this episode, Brittany Greenslade, Global News reporter, sat down with former Humboldt Bronco Matthew Gomersic, a survivor of that horrible crash. They talk about what it was like to go through that, attending the vigils, the funerals, and his hockey life now as he plays in Ontario for a university there. Also, Desiree Scott, Canadian national soccer team player and Winnipegger, inducted into the Canada West Hall of Fame recently. Catch up with her from Utah. And Joanne Vergara, Paralympic champion, Winnipegger, was featured in the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame's Women in Sport exhibit recently. We'll talk about that, her Paralympic experience, raising kids as a Paralympic champion. That's on the podcast. Winnipegger Matthew Gomersic is one of the survivors of the tragic Humboldt Broncos bus crash April 6th, 2018. Global News reporter Brittany Greenslade sat down with Matthew. They started by talking about what Matt remembers from that horrible night. I don't really remember too much. I was just kind of sleeping. I was pretty tired, so just decided to go for a nap. And then I just kind of felt the brakes hit, and I kind of looked up, and then don't really remember too much after that. And then I came back, too, and just somebody took me to their car and gave me a phone to call my parents, and got taken to Tisdale Hospital after that and spent a few hours there and then got taken to Saskatoon and kind of found out after after I got there what had happened but it's gonna sound stupid but what's that like <laughs> um it was kind of surreal like like my belts were with me in Tisdale and I guess the nurses had told them not to say anything to me so like I'd be asking questions like oh like I'm sure like everybody's okay and like they just kind of, they couldn't give me an answer, right? So then you just don't know. And then it's just really a shock to the system, right? You're still trying to process everything that happened to yourself, like your injuries and whatnot. And then you hear all that. And then it's just a lot to take in. I separated my shoulder, um, had the cut in my foot. that needed about six or seven stitches and then brain bleed as well. Do you remember calling your parents? Yeah. Yeah, I called my mom and then somebody else had used the phone to call their parents and then I called my, my the house phone again and then my dad answered so I talked to him for a bit and then I called my girlfriend right after that and after that I just got taken into the ambulance so I don't really remember what was said but. Do you remember the, the days after? Uh, no, it's all just a blur like you remember getting out and then going to the vigil and then after that it was just kind of funeral after funeral so it kind of blew by two weeks pretty quick but it's got to be hard though you're sitting there with your buddies one minute and then the coming days having to say goodbye without really saying goodbye yeah no it was it was it was something you never really expect to have to do especially at that age but it's just different like you know like you're like we're all kind of planning to play the rest of that series and then you know everybody thought that we were going to be able to come back in the series and make it to the final so you're you're really planning to still be with those guys for another two three weeks right you're not really planning on even like if we had lost like nobody was really planning that but you you weren't really planning on only seeing these guys for a few more days afterwards right so I think everybody was just kind of looking forward to spending more time together since we we're such a tight group and Obviously, things changed a little. And how did you guys find out? Was somebody coming in and talking to you guys? Or was this, like, 
everybody coming together or um so i was the last one to get to saskatoon so like i'd been in tisdale with shamlansky and um nobody had told me anything there then i got to saskatoon and i had seen one other guy and still nobody had really told me anything so um took maybe two or three hours before things started to calm down a little and then um my parents had kind of told me what had happened and um i didn't have my phone so i used somebody's phone and just kind of started looking through social media or whatever to to kind of um to see exactly what had happened and then i just started walking around the hospital and then started seeing parents and family and so that's when it kind of just hit me that what exactly had happened what do you think of what they were able to pull off i mean after that crash you saw people from around the world sending flowers that don't know you guys that like across the country leaving hockey sticks out were you aware of just what was really happening in honor of all of you yeah like obviously the first few days like you don't really know what's going on and then you kind of start hearing rumors or whatever of stuff and then once once i kind of got to the vigil and it kind of looked around and saw you know how quickly they had set everything up and then you know getting to meet the people that or like getting introduced to the people that like have donated this or donated that and um know it the support throughout like the whole world like it was just it was incredible what was that like going to the vigil knowing that i think there was what two of you that yeah. were able to to go um yeah like when i heard i could go it was just kind of like i knew i had to go and then once i got back into the rink it just kind of hit me like just you you don't know what to expect right like i didn't know how many people were going to be there or what was what it was going to entail of and then all of a sudden you walk into the rink and you just see everybody that you had that i'd played with when i was like 19 and it was like this is going to be big because but still at the time like no like I don't think anybody really had an idea of how big it really was yet so um I think there's just a lot of emotions that had come back just going back into the rink and then obviously going through the vigil and then afterwards just spending time by myself in the rink it was it was just a weird feeling does anything from those first few days still stick out to you? I know you talked about it being just kind of one big blur. Is there anything that you really remember that really resonates with you in those first few? I think it was just like going to the vigil and I remember we're going down, I don't even know what street it is, but it's like the street going to the rink and there's, and there's a sign that said overflow parking for the vigil in the church. And I was thinking to myself, like how big could this really be? And then like we showed up to the, parking lot the rink and like it was there's nowhere to park and that's when it kind of hit me like how much this had impacted so many different people and I think that's just really what stood out to me where were you sitting on the bus I was at the very back right beside the bathroom so have you had to get on a bus since yeah yeah we traveling to games this year we we took the bus so um, first time it was weird and then obviously you know you get a little more jumpy or whatever when the brakes get touched but for the 
you know, it's been safe for the most part, so. Was it hard though? Is that something you just kind of, I guess, yourself have to, something you've done since you were an early in your teens? Yeah, like I just kind of tried to act, not act like nothing had happened, but just like I'd done it before and then like the second you, I stepped on and like same smell and everything and it just kind of hit me then that like it wasn't going to be as easy as I'd made it out to be in my head. But I was thankful that, you know, Bryce was there with me. So obviously that we helped each other out quite a bit throughout the year with dealing with stuff like that. Yesterday, it was announced that Winnipeg's Desiree Scott would be one of the initial 100 inductees into the Canada West Hall of Fame, marking the 100th anniversary of the University Sports Conference. The 32-year-old has won two Olympic bronze medals with Team Canada, played at two World Cups, and back in her Manitoba Bison's days was named Team MVP three times Rookie of the Year, two-time All-Canadian, Bison's Female Athlete of the Year, set program records for points and assists, and Desiree joins us now on the CGOB Sports Show. Desiree, congratulations on this. Uh, Just first of all, where are you joining us tonight? I am joining you from Salt Lake City, Utah, where my professional team is at. And how's life in Salt Lake City? Life is not too bad. Weather's hot, soccer's going well, so I can't complain. Now, most people growing up in Winnipeg probably don't think they're going to spend too much time in Utah. It wasn't on my list of places to be half of the year, but yeah, here's, here's where I'm at. So how's the pro soccer thing going? It's going well. We're in the sort of final push for playoffs here. We've got about six games left in the season. Hopefully get some W's and hit the playoffs end of October and we'll be flying. Have the players noticed any difference in terms of how the league is viewed or in terms of attendance after the World Cup? Um, I think you can definitely see that people are starting to show up to games. There's been some record-setting attendances across the league, which has been awesome. People watched us at the World Cup on TV, and now they can see them live in their their cities and their backyards. So I think more people are tuning in and and supporting the league and the teams within it. And that's really thanks to the success of the U.S. women's team, right? Yes, I don't like to say it, but (laughs) they're a pretty solid team, you know, winning that World Cup, and obviously there's majority of them play here in this league, so it's it's awesome to be able to see them, and, and the fans are definitely coming out to support them for sure. So when did you learn that you were going to be inducted into the Canada West Hall of Fame? Um, I actually found out about a week ago. I heard the news and um, got an email from Vanessa from the Bison's coaching soccer team there. And yeah, she's just like, congratulations, you've, you've been nominated and inducted. And it was kind of a whole whirlwind, but an amazing surprise. So what does that mean to you then? I mean, it's it's such an honor. I think it was completely... Nothing I'd ever expected to to be inducted into. It's, a, it's a truly an honor, and I think it's just a testament to the program and sort of my journey and the hard work that's been put in. And, yeah, I'm just grateful to be recognized and, and to be a part of that. How much do you, I guess, cherish your time as a bison? Um, those are some of my favorite times. People always ask, you know, what were some of your favorite games? And, um, you know, I have a lot of national team experience, but some of those games just playing with like some of my best friends in my backyard, hometown with my family in the stands. I used to score goals back then, which was really fun. Um, and to do it all while going to school and getting a, a degree is pretty crazy. So I can really appreciate that time for sure. So you were rookie of the year in your rookie season, obviously. You were named team MVP a number of times. Did those accolades, they, they piled up, but do they mean a lot to you? They do mean a lot. I mean, I'm, I think I'm a pretty humble person, but when you 
look at the list and you kind of look back and see what you've done over your career, I think it's it's a special thing. You want to go and perform to the best of your ability for your team and your and your province, your school. And um, I think I did that while I was there. So I'm proud of the university career I had and and what I've done so far. Do you still follow how the team does? I do. Again, yeah, I speak to Vanessa. I go and check in with the girls when I'm in town. I go out to a training session or I go and say hello. And um, I definitely follow along in their success for sure. So the rank number nine going into this season, is that pretty good? I think it's decent. I think there's always strides to improve and want to do better and make sure we get to playoffs and that sort of thing. So I think there's always room for improvement, but the program is going in a positive in a positive way and, and making steps forward. They're now recruiting players outside of province, outside of country even. So it, it's cool to see the baby steps that we're making. Yeah, they have players from South America. They've uh, recently imported someone from India. So, and this is maybe more so for the entire university game, but why is it important to get players from outside as well as supplementing the talent that is obviously from Canada, because it is important first and foremost that Canadians have a place to play, but the ability to bring in players from international locations. Yeah. I mean, having, being a local girl, you want to be able to have something to strive towards and and play for your university and represent your, your province. But I think it's also great to know that there's talent outside of Canada that can only infuse the team and hopefully make the squad better. So to be able to, provide that for players outside of the country and to add that to your roster I think super valuable. Now you're also uh, an athlete ambassador for Kids Sport Winnipeg. Why is that important to you? Um, yeah, I think it's an incredible organization. I actually grew up being a Kids Sport kid. Um, they kept me involved in sport when my mom couldn't necessarily afford all the things I was doing. So it directly hits home for me and now I'm in a place where I can give back um, I love to volunteer and get involved with kids in general anyway, so it's just sort of a perfect fit, and, and it's come full circle. So I'm just happy to be a part of that for sure. And what's the Homeless World Cup? Um, the Homeless World Cup is it's literally that. Um, it helps to get people involved in a World Cup who actually have, are homeless. Um, we get them off the streets. We get them involved in a team. There's about... 50 plus teams that go to this world cup and they every two years they have a giant tournament and it just gives people off the street something to work towards to be a part of a team and and to just get involved and get them off the street so why do you feel in your role as a as a pro athlete it's important to give back to your community i think it's just important because we are in the spotlight at times we have a platform now with social media or just people wanting to hear what we have to say and what we're involved in. So I think um, showcasing that we care about the places we've come from and important organizations and such, I think it's it's a great thing to give back. It's important to, to support the people who supported you through your career. So it's just my way of giving back. Now, when does the process begin to prepare for the Olympics next summer? Uh, the process has already begun. Um, you know, we're now training for an upcoming camp this September, end of September, I should say. Um, going to Japan to go and check out the facilities, kind of get acclimated to what it's like over there. Um, qualifiers are in January, so it's just around the corner. So now that we've kind of had time to let the dust settle from the World Cup, it's, it's switching focus now to qualifying for those 2020 Olympics. Do you like having them in back-to-back years? I actually do. Um, I think it's, if they were too far apart, maybe, I don't know. I like having them back-to-back because 
you're already in prep mode from the World Cup. Ours didn't go so well, so now it's kind of fueled my fire. We have something right around the corner to work hard towards and, and prove ourselves again. So I do like the short turnaround. And how do you like being one of the veterans of the team? It's crazy to think. Yeah, it's been a been a while that I've been playing for my country, and it's it's nice to be a veteran, to have the young players coming up and like asking to watch film and just sort of asking me to show them the ropes and, and me being in that leadership role just to help guide them and support them. And I love being involved in the team, and, and being a leader is something I, I enjoy and sort of thrive on doing, so I, it's cool. Well, Desiree, I appreciate you taking time to talk to me tonight. Congratulations again on the Hall of Fame induction, and best of luck in your playoff push with your pro team. Yeah, thank you so much. Over the summer, the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame honored women in sport with a special exhibit showing off the great history of this province's women have had in competition. One of those women honored was Joanne Vergara, maiden name Joanne Moots, bilateral below-the-knee amputee who won gold in the 400-meter freestyle at the 1988 Paralympic Games and then destroyed the competition to the tune of five gold medals in 1992 in Barcelona. Now, she came down to the CJB studios earlier this afternoon to chat with me. So, first question, just uh, how's life? <laughs> Life is very busy. We're uh, we have a younger family that are of three kids, and they're super active in all of their sports. So it's been a lot of um, their lives taken over ours. Right. So are they playing soccer? Are they swimming? Because you're married to Hector Vergara. Yes, Hector is my husband. We have three kids. Um, my daughter is a swimmer, so okay. she, uh, her, and I can commute or communicate a lot about that sport. And luckily for Hector, our, our boys are uh, both soccer players and are okay. very passionate about that sport. <laughs> okay, good. So you are you are in a way a soccer mom then? I am definitely a soccer mom, one hundred percent. Yeah. So uh, I guess when was the last time you were in a pool? Oh, um, well, if you talk like hotels and stuff. <laughs> I guess that's one thing. <laughs> I haven't trained in a pool for, I would say, at least uh, probably eight years. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Do you miss it? I do miss it, but it was funny because when I did go back into the pool to try training, it had already been a few years. And it's funny because in your mind, you remember everything as it's supposed to be. And technically, you're remembering what you have to remember. And then you get in there and it doesn't feel anything <laughs> like it was uh, like it used to. Right. So I've found other ways to stay in shape and maybe not so much the pool. I don't miss the pool because I'm there a lot. My daughter swims, so I'm there a lot. You still get the chlorine smell. Yeah, I still get the, the, the chlorine smell. Absolutely. So uh, I guess when did you hang them up, per se? <laughs> hang up the goggles? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, my last big competition was the Paralympics in 1992 in okay. Barcelona, Spain. And I had a phenomenal swim meet there. And I um, just lingered on for a little bit afterwards because it was such a great experience. It's nice to be able to end your career on your terms on a high like that. But it's also you're so passionate about everything right. it's also a difficult time to also choose to retire but it was the right time for me so it was just shortly after that 92 93 that I decided to stop competing and swimming altogether I was in university at that time and it was you know time to move on to a different chapter in my life take me back to the Paralympics what was it like to be on that stage competing for Canada 
You know, what? It's, um, it's an amazing experience. I was just talking about this with the kids the other day because it is something that actually does stay with you for life. Like it was, for, 92 is a long time ago, but for me, it in the way it makes me feel emotionally, it could have been just last week because there's nothing um, that you can compare the feeling to, to represent your country, to be proud of representing your country, to have... Um, uh, a competition go well after so much effort has gone into it for so many years in the training um, you know to stand on the podium and to hear your national anthem to see the flag rise I know so many athletes speak of this moment but right. because it is so monumental as an emotional event in your life and it just motivates you to always be a good citizen to try to you know in our scenario with my me and my kids to raise them to be you know uh, respectable uh, good team players athletes so on yeah so this is something that comes up a lot then for you no not really i mean just the fact that it was life changing in the sense that um to to be able to strive for something and work so hard at something to set those kind of goals for yourself and then to have that sense of accomplishment um, that can just go into so many different aspects of life. So not specifically myself, my own accomplishments, but in generalities in terms of, you know, um, goal setting mm -hmm. and, and striving for your dreams. So when were you inducted into the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame? Was it 05? Um, I want to say it was 05 or 06. Okay. Yeah. What was when you got the call? What was that moment like? Oh, you know, it, it's so nice to have the recognition in your own hometown. Um, you know, you don't ever go into the sport hoping for that kind of recognition, but it's great to have. And for for me to have something like, um, you know, to be inducted into the Hall of Fame in in Manitoba, again, my family, um, you know, Hector and the kids, they weren't necessarily involved in my life. Well, the kids for sure weren't around, <laughs> um, involved in my life when I was in my, the peak years of my competition. So I don't really have my swimming to share with them. So now when you get honored in things like the Hall of Fame, it is a fantastic way now to be able to bridge that gap. And now I get to share in the memories with mm -hmm. my family. And the Women in Sport exhibit just wrapped up recently to be a part of that. What does that mean? And then to also be a role model for younger women trying to compete as well. You know, the, the Hall of Fame is actually a very important um, thing for us to have in our province, uh, not only to, to recognize maybe the athletes that didn't, uh, again, in, being involved in Paralympics, there's, I think, a lot of athletes that, in that sport that are cons we consider ourselves a bit pioneers because the sport has been growing in its recognition and, and developing every year as it comes along the way. And for the Hall of Fame to recognize some of um, some of those types of athletes has been great um, because in, in the highlight of our careers, we might not have had the same kind of recognition that athletes would have today. Um, for the women in sports uh, exhibition in particular, I have a daughter myself, so of course it's it's really endearing to me to uh, make sure I can promote um, powerful role mo models um, for my daughter to be able to look up to. To be one of those who's actually honored as a part of that is, <laughs> you know, it's amazing. It's it's really important for. And I think it's been great lately how much women in sports has been um, receiving more equality in terms of, of recognition. I, being a mother of sons as well, 
it's, uh, you know, I noticed the conversation at home. It's really more now about the athlete and about the sport. It's not so much whether it's a women's sport or men's sport. Right. And that's obviously there's still a long way to go in pretty much every sport. I think tennis is one of the few that you actually have, you know, equal prize money for a lot of things. But across the board. There's always going to be a bit of that battle for sure. But but at least it's going in the right direction. Right. And so, you know, when you're in there and you're seeing names, you know, like Clara Hughes, Cindy Clausen, and so many others, not just Olympians, but people, women that have been successful and pioneers, what does it mean to be a part of that group? It's a, it's definitely an honor. It's sometimes it's kind of surreal, right? Because I'm, I tried to be uh, in my whole life more of a modest or humble type person. And I've never really made a big deal about my accomplishments, even though I have a lot of my own personal pride but for me I'm more private about it and then to be have my name amongst you know names that like I said my kids and their friends at school would know or they see their faces up on murals across the city Mm -hmm. of course it's fantastic you know (laughs) right do you keep your medals in a safe place or do you display (laughs) them prominently in your house you know what we we laugh about this in our house because I the way I look at it is there's a lot of medals there's a lot of awards as you go along in your career but really there's just a few that really sum it up for you and so most of that type of stuff is actually in bins (laughs) but you know the few that that really get you that hit your heart that you know what they represent to you Um, for me I have two sets of medals that I keep out in the house Um, right now they're on display or they were on display all summer at the Manitoba Hall of Fame but those those are the only ones I sort of keep out in the house but they're really just amongst all the kids toys and stuff in the basement (laughs) it's not like it has a spotlight on it there's no big throne for it (laughs) no absolutely not no okay so when you're walking past them and you see them are do you you know are you transported back to when you won them or is it just you know clutter (laughs) Uh, I guess it would depend on the day right (laughs) no I mean you don't you don't live in the plat and you don't live in the past you're always looking towards the future I think the only reason sometimes that we've displayed some of those things is yes we should have a sense of pride in some of the accomplishments and it sort of sums up uh, a great accomplishment for hard work and dedication and perseverance Um, but again it's uh, we like having them out again perhaps as a bit of a motivator for the kids to follow their own dreams, whatever they are. They don't have to be in swimming. They don't have to be in soccer. But just to strive for something and to put the effort in. Now, your husband was inducted into the Hall of Fame this past summer. I talked to him about it back when it happened. Was there any kind of good-natured ribbing that you got in first? (laughs) Of course. I mean, if we're naturally competitive people, that kind of conversation is going to be going on at the house. Right. Um, But it's all all uh, good-natured teasing for sure. And now you have, you know, you got three kids that both their parents are Hall of Famers, right? <laughs> That's a big deal for them. Yeah, big no standard pressure. to live up to. <laughs> no pressure at all. <laughs> so finally, now that, you know, you're you're a mother, you're, you've got kids in competition. Does your perspective on competition change when you're watching people as opposed to being in it yourself? Um, I've become a master at biting my tongue, I mm. think, um, because honestly, uh, Again, we I am a very competitive person by nature. My husband's a very competitive person by nature. But we try our best um, to just guide the kids and not um, 
We just try to be very much of not so much coaching, but more motivators and more uh, cheerleaders for them. Because really, uh, I don't care if my kids go to the Olympics. I don't care if my kids are in the Hall of Fame. It has to be their own goals and their own dreams. So I have to just sometimes take it to the back burner a bit. (laughs) (laughs) And just to make sure that they're healthy, that they're enjoying what they're doing and um, try to keep them on the right path. Well, Joanne, I appreciate you coming in today to talk to me, and uh, good luck as you go forward and whatever you do. This was fantastic. Thank you very much for having me. Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I think you're out of luck, but Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?